Well, good morning and welcome to another episode of the Unshakable Podcast. My name is Sam and I am your podcast host. The Unshakable Podcast is an extension of Unshakable Ministries where our goal is to educate, equip, encourage, and empower Christ followers to live the life that Christ expects us to live. Here on the Unshakable Podcast, we are uncensored. We are unwavering. We are unashamed. We are going to lay out the truth as we see it in Scripture according to the context that we see in Scripture. So if that is something that you want to be a part of, then please continue to listen. Ways that you can find us on social media, if you will go over to Facebook and search Unshakable Podcast, you will find us there. On Instagram, our username is unshakable underscore podcast. And on Twitter, our username is unshakable underscore one. And that is the numerical value one. For ways that you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation, if you are listening this morning, let me be the first to say welcome to the Unshakable Nation. We are glad to have you. We hope that you get something out of this. And if you do, and you feel there is someone in your life that can benefit from what we share here on this podcast, please copy the link to the episodes that you like, that that spoke to you, and share this with your friends and your family or those people that you come in contact with you think could benefit from this truth. We always want to take an opportunity to thank those who are giving in support of the show. You do not have to do this. However, we are so thankful for those that continue to do so. If you want to give to the show, we ask that you first pause, second, pray. And if you feel after you pray that God is leading you to give to this ministry, then by all means, there are ways on the website that you can follow to be able to give to this ministry. It is not required. It is not expected. But we always want to say, please be obedient to what God is leading to you, leading you to do wherever God is leading you to give. For the biggest way that you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation, we simply ask for your prayers. We covet them greatly. We ask that you would just lift us up, praying that we would be sensitive to where God is working, that we would join Him where He is already at work, impacting the world one life at a time with the gospel of Jesus Christ. For questions, comments, topics, anything that you want to send over, please send that over to Sam at unshakableministries.com. Sam at unshakableministries.com. If you are hearing this outside of our website, then please go over and register as a user if you have not already done so. Go over to unshakableministries.com. Up at the top, you will see where you can go to the sign up page, sign up, become a registered user, set up your profile, and you will be able to log in and see the podcast as it is uploaded every week. We try to do it every week. Do not let me tell a lie. Um, as I stated last week, we tend to um, uh, prioritize. I, I prioritize my family. So as you know, having two small ones, then I try to prioritize with my family to make sure that I am taking care of them first. And then if I have time, then I record and edit and upload the podcast. But as we dig in this week, you know, we, we had a pretty Interesting show last week is I, I told you I ended with the question, is hell real? 
That was the question for last week. Is hell real? We talked about the fact that there are a lot of churches that are are teaching the, the metaphorical aspect of it. And last week we discussed that. And we discussed the fact that many churches are teaching, are not teaching about end time prophecy or the lack of teaching it. Or, you know, they're, they're teaching the metaphorical aspect of end time prophecy or they're just not teaching it at, at all. Okay. So, you, you know, when we dive into this, we, we look at the fact that I mentioned that we should read, study, and understand scripture as marriage vows. And we talked about what that looked like within a marriage. Like we get up and we say these marriage vows to our spouse or our, or our you know, soon-to-be spouse. We go through these vows and we make these promises to them. And if, in fact, all they are is empty promises, then what kind of marriage is that? If we're going to get into this marriage based on words alone without actual physical evidence of the words that we promise to abide by, then there is no accountability in the marriage. There is no foundation to the marriage because it's all based on words. You can't simply say, I love you, and then all of your actions be contrary to what you say. If you tell someone that you love them, then your actions should therefore support the fact that you love them. Now, my wife and I talk about this all the time. We don't celebrate Valentine's Day, and there's a reason that we don't. And I feel like there are so many people that they celebrate Valentine's Day as if to make up for an entire year of not showing their spouse that they love them. You know, my wife and I talk about this. We don't need a special holiday to let each other know how we feel about them. We try every single day. Are we perfect? By no stretch of the imagination are we perfect in this. But we try to celebrate one another every single day. We try to celebrate the gift that God has given us in our spouse. We try to make sure that every action that we do is about showing this person that we love them. It's not simply three words of saying I love you every day. It's actually living those words out in action. And and when we read scripture, we should read this as marriage vows, promises from the Father through Christ in exchange for one or for our unwavering love and devotion to him. So as we read scripture, that is what should jump off of the page. God is giving us his promises through Christ in in exchange for our unwavering love and devotion to him. He's saying, this is what I have done for you. And in order to participate in this marriage as the bride of Christ, then this is what I expect from you. So he tells us, again, what he has done for us and at the same time what he expects from us in order to participate in those marriage promises. It is not to be a half-hearted or lukewarm devotion, but 100% committed to following Christ regardless of the cost. Because you are neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm, I will spit you out. This is what Revelation 3.16 says. So we talked about last week the, the metaphorical aspect or the literal aspect of Revelation, as many churches are teaching. They're, they're teaching it as metaphorical rather than literal. 
But we look at the words of Jesus, and when we look at the words of Jesus, then we have to see the literal context of those words, even in Revelation. And, you know, what they're seeing as metaphorical, this is, you know, this is, to me, is extremely important to understand what they're seeing as metaphorical, right? John is writing down. John the Revelator is writing down what he is seeing. As he's writing down what he is seeing, he is writing writing it down from a, from a perspective of what he has seen. That, that is his understanding. He hasn't seen what the world has today. He hasn't seen planes fly or cars drive down the road. He hasn't seen the technology that we have today. So he doesn't understand from our perspective how to actually define and write these things down. So it is now being mistaken for a metaphorical writing rather than a literal writing. And understanding the literal context of what John is saying. Jesus tells us we should know the cost or the expectations before we say yes. Before we say yes to following him. Before we say yes in a marriage. Jesus is telling us that we should know the cost or the expectations before that. Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his family and his life, he cannot be my disciple. Did you hear the cost that Jesus just laid out for us? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his family and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, does that mean that we like literally hate people or hate our own life? No. What Jesus is saying is, Everything in this world must be minuscule to your devotion to me. In other words, loyalty to Jesus and God must supersede all earthly loyalties. No ands, no ifs, no buts about it. If you do not love Jesus and God more than you love anyone or anything in this world up to and including your own life, you cannot be his disciple. But that is not what this world is teaching you. That is not what many churches are teaching you. What many churches are teaching is in fact the exact opposite of that. It's teaching us that we should chase success in this world. That what they don't tell you when they tell you that you it's okay to chase success in this world, what they don't tell you is the time and devotion to that that is robbed from Jesus and God. They tell you that it's okay to have all these things, but what they don't tell you is that, that what Scripture literally teaches is Anything that you are chasing in this world, chasing after in this world, is robbing God and Jesus of your devotion and of your time. Now, I want to look at some things. As we, as we dive in this week, we're, we're going to, as we go through this, answer the question, is hell real or metaphorical? But in order to do that, I want to set the stage. So Luke 14, 28 says this, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first count the cost to make sure you have enough to finish it? We are told to count the cost. We have so many people, and it seems to me that that's what religious organizations and churches are more worried about the number of people that are 
stating that they are saved versus the number of people that we are actually investing in their lives to become committed disciples of Christ. We're more worried about the numbers than we are about the actual life they live out. And Jesus is telling us that you must first count the cost to know what's expected of you and and to, to know what you should expect as you choose to follow him. Which of you says he'll follow Christ if he is not willing to complete the race laid before him? Now, that's, that's not scripture. I'm, I'm, I'm basically paraphrasing what Luke 14, 28 says. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first count the cost to make sure you have enough to finish it? Paraphrase to say, which of you says he will follow Christ if he is not willing to complete the race laid before him? Luke 14, 29 says the person who is unable to stand within the standards God has laid out, he will be made a fool of. Simply repenting and asking forgiveness is not enough in the end, as we will see. Simply saying Jesus is your Lord is not enough in the end. Something more is required. The cost is great. Are you prepared for that? Do you feel like what you are hearing in churches is preparing you for what is coming? It has prepared you for the journey that you've already taken up to this point. Before we dive in to answer the question, I want us to look at the words of Christ and then we will finish in Revelation. Probably not going to be today. But we will finish in Revelation to determine if we are dealing with a metaphorical or literal context within the words of Scripture. I want to look starting at Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Jesus says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. So what are we to take from this? Number one, enter by the narrow gate. That's the first thing Jesus says. Enter by the narrow gate. Then he lays out that the, the, the other gate, the wide gate, is easy. And it leads to destruction. And many will enter by it. But you, first, Primarily, enter the narrow gate. The road to destruction is first wide, and second, the journey is easy. But aren't many churches teaching that the road to life is easy? Isn't that what we hear more than anything today in churches? Follow Jesus. He's going to take all of your burdens away. They... they, Promise it almost as if somehow when we come to Jesus, we repent, ask forgiveness, confess him as Lord of our life, that all of a sudden things are going to become easy. No, what we must understand is our promise is in the afterlife. Our promise is fulfilled in eternity. Our promise is not filled in this world. And most churches are teaching that that. Oh, God is faithful. He'll, he'll continue to, to do this and he'll do that. And, and he'll make life so easy. Listen, I hate to tell you this, 
The life of a Christ follower is not easy. Jesus never promised it would be easy. What we The promises we get from Scripture is God will provide for our needs, not our wants. He will provide for our needs. But that is not what we gather from a lot of teachings in the church today. Matthew 7, 14, for the gate is narrow. Listen, you know, this, he follows Matthew 7, 13. After he says, enter by the narrow gate, he describes the wide gate. And then he jumps into the narrow gate in Matthew 7, 14. He says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So we went from wide, easy, and many to narrow, hard, and few. So those who are seeking Christ, those who are seeking to follow Christ with everything that is in them, they must go by the narrow gate, which is the hard path, and only a few find it. You know what this screams to me when I read this? The church is filled with people who are going to hell. Few will find it. Few will have what it takes to stand in the face of persecution. Few will have what it takes to go the hard way. Few. That sounds exactly the opposite of what churches are teaching. So the question then becomes, why do churches shy away from teaching such as this? And I believe John chapter 6 gives us the answer. Now, when we look in John chapter 6, I want to read a couple of verses and then I'll give you the context, right? So verse 60, it says, When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And then we see in verse 66, it says, After this, many of his disciples turned away and no longer followed him. They could not handle the hard teachings. They could not handle the hard truth. When we look at the context of this, this is immediately following where Jesus says, anyone who desires to follow me must eat my flesh, drink my blood. Eat my flesh, which was broken for mankind, and drink my blood. Now listen, here's what we understand the word teaches. What, what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is the Word of God. Read John chapter 1. Very clearly lays out that Jesus is the Word of God who made His dwelling among us. So when we're consuming the flesh of Christ, we are consuming the scriptures. We are eating them. They are life-giving nourishment. And when we are drinking the blood, we are accepting the fact that the road is going to be hard. We are accepting the sacrifice that he made for us on the cross. We are accepting the fact that His blood is what paved the way for us to be reconciled to God and that we too are not above the teacher. That we 
Just because we have been saved and we are being sanctified does not mean that somehow we will escape persecution or turmoil. And I hear so many people teaching that the people of God will not undergo this type of persecution. Wrong. Jesus says it. Jesus says that we will. And by consuming his flesh, the word, the scriptures, and learning and meditating on it and studying it and to understand it, to gain wisdom and to gain knowledge, by doing this, we are becoming more like him. We are beginning to understand the words that he is actually teaching to know what is required of us so that we can stand, so that we can finish the race, so that we can persevere, so that our faith can be strengthened. And so that ultimately, in the end, we will be found worthy as faithful servants. You see, Jesus knew truth would turn even those closest to him away. And churches need to learn this. The truth is hard, but it is the truth. Nothing changes the truth, not even you. You do not have authority to change the truth and or omit the truth. The reality we see from Matthew 7:14 is few find the narrow gate because the way is hard. What did these disciples say in John 6 verse 60? When many of his disciples heard it, they said this is a hard saying. And then in verse 66, they turned and no longer followed him. Churches are more worried about numbers, more worried about growth, more worried about money being put in the plate on Sunday mornings than they are about teaching the hard truths of Scripture, which one of you, without Christ, you will spend an eternity in a literal hell. We are going to look at the fact that hell is literal next week. We're going to pull some scriptures out to show that hell is literal. It is a physical place where people will spend eternity apart from Christ. Christ is what is required in order to enter the narrow gate. Christ is the narrow gate. His way is hard. His teachings are hard. They're hard to swallow, which is why many will find the wide gate which leads to destruction because they can't accept the hard truth. Now, we, we look at Matthew 7, 14, and here's the thing. Jesus speaks of the wide gate and the narrow gate just before he warns of false prophets. Coincidence? I think not. And just after he speaks of false prophets, he lays this out. In Matthew 7, 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Churches are strictly teaching that if you will come to the altar, that you will pray this spe special prayer, you will ask God for forgiveness, and you will say, Jesus is Lord, then somehow that means you are not in danger of an eternity in hell. This is not true. 
As I said, a marriage built on words alone is a marriage doomed to fall apart. You cannot simply say, Jesus is my Lord, without following through with actions to show evidence that he in fact is your Lord. So I wonder in all of this, how many people truly have counted the cost of what it means to follow Christ? We must drink of his cup. We must, as followers and disciples of his, be willing to lay down our lives, to be persecuted, to be mocked for his name's sake. If you are running from your faith by avoiding these truths, burying yourself and being consumed with the things of this world, with relationships in this world, you are in danger. Because when we look in Matthew chapter 7, just after verse 21, he says, many will come to him and say, did we not prophesy in your name and do many mighty works in your name and cast out demons in your name? And what he says Immediately following that, he says, I will turn to them and say, depart from me. I never knew you. Are you in danger of this? Birds have nests and foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. You will be persecuted and hated for my name's sake. But your reward is coming. Your reward of a future eternity and hope in Christ Jesus to be reconciled to the Father. That is your reward. Not something here in this world as is being taught today because you have success and because you have money and possessions, that doesn't mean that you're blessed. I, I want to clarify that right now. There's so many people that say, oh, I'm blessed. Business is fantastic. I'm blessed. Oh, yeah, man, I got, I got plenty of money in the bank. I'm blessed. Man, check out this new car. I'm blessed. Really? Because according to Scripture, none of this means anything in the end. God provides and has promised to provide for our needs, and he never promised anything above that. Does that mean that God doesn't give to certain individuals in order that they might be the stewards here in this world? No. I, I've seen that happen. I've seen great people. They don't flaunt their money. They don't go out and purchase huge houses or a bunch of possessions, but they have a lot of money that flows through their accounts that immediately goes to other people, to serving the needs of other people. The truth of it is, when it comes down to it, there are a lot of people sitting in the pews on Sunday morning that are in danger of hellfire. Father God, Father, we look to you for understanding. We look to you for wisdom and knowledge. 
Father, we pray your spirit would work in us and reveal your truth to us to help us calculate the cost of what it truly means to be your disciple. What it means to follow the path of Christ. That we would be willing to give up everything in exchange for following you. Not because we are guaranteed safety and security in this world, not because we are guaranteed money and possessions in this world, but because we have a glorious hope of a future spent in eternity with you because of your great love, your unconditional love. God, change us, convict us, move us to be an unshakable nation And God, we, in all of this, will give you the glory, you the honor, and you the praise in Christ's name. Hey guys, I love you. And until next time, remain unshakable.